Hey, everybody. If you'd like to help us with this podcast, there are several different ways you can do that. One is to leave us a review. Another is to click subscribe. Um, You can share any episodes you particularly enjoy on social media for new listeners to hear. And also check out the show notes for where you can follow us because we'll be posting updates as this experiment continues to grow. So thanks for listening. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I was about. I didn't have any sort of responsibility. Um, in every way, I've be- I've stepped into who I am as Macklin Williamson mm-hmm. through a marriage, and also somewhat through having Julian. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. when we had Julian, that was that was me letting go. That 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 sort of helped me let go of pursuing um, goals of mine that were more selfish and less less oriented towards the family and providing for what I knew I needed to provide for. So when we, we had Julian, I mean, what that was was I, I had to drop ceramics and mm-hmm. spend more time with Reagan and spend more time with my son. And through that, I don't, I don't know that being a father has changed me much more than that at this point because I had already adopted responsibility through mm-hmm. my marriage with you. Um, so, you know... Marriage to me, for me, has been great. Um, Do you think having Julian, Julian, (laughs) Julian, and William, you guys can answer also, has affected our marriage? Like, how has that affected our marriage specifically? Not your personal self, but you and me. In some ways, it's made it harder. In some ways, it's made it better. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, it's harder because he drives me batty. Yeah. A lot of the time. Sure. Um, and so that's the bad part. The good part is when he goes down, it's mm. like I, now I have like a whole hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good when he's not there. <laughs> um, I had, so a friend told me at, we were at a wedding and uh, I, it was my turn to change a diaper and there were no, there were no, di- there were no diaper changing Stations stations in the bathroom, so I was just squatting on the ground. Yeah. Um, Do what you got to do. And uh, a friend comes up, and he's got, I think, three kids now, and some of I think one of them is like nine or ten. And he patted me on the back and he said, It gets easier when they get to three. And that was his, like, advice to me. Huh. Um, So we'll see if that's true. Um, But for him, it was much easier when they got to three. So hopefully that'll, hopefully he'll start playing sports and I can. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely affected how much alone time you and I get together. Yeah. Mm. We have to be very intentional about the time we spend together because mm. it's so small. Well, smaller now without him. So, times where you, me and Julian are all together are still great, but you know, I still want time with just my husband. Mm-hmm. And we we have a juice time which is not an innuendo for anything it's actual <laughs> juice that we drink together when he goes down and we put it in special glasses yeah sometimes yeah little fun juice glasses and yeah we just have juice together and we talk or we just sit yeah. it's just time carved out of the day 
which we didn't have to do before. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes, you know, it used to be dinner. We would sit down together and it would be just us. But now I can't even hardly have a conversation with you because <laughs> I'm trying to get Julian to eat his peas or whatever, you know. So I'm curious about you guys because I don't think I've, we've talked about this. How has William's presence affected your marriage? It looks like you're ready to go. I mean, I do have a thought. Go yeah. for it. Um, the The one big thing that I've noticed is that now we have a, a goal to focus on together. And we didn't really have that before. Hmm. Our hobbies are so different. Yeah. Um, it's it's really nice to both be focused on keeping this kid alive. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it has been a joy to because we're we're working in it together. I mean, granted, we had our marriage, and like we were we were deep friends, and that was a goal that we were working towards before William. But yeah, we didn't really, and we, you know, we had our goal of saving money for our house and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, but not, not something deeply meaningful and that we were both completely interested in mm-hmm. uh, and invested in together. So that affects I, us day by day. Yeah. yeah. Um, it has been a joy to share in this, just the two months with him and watch him be a father that's been really cool and watch because I didn't know I knew he was going to be a good dad but what does a good sure. dad look like there's lots of different good dads yeah. and watching Connor <clears throat> be a dad that's been really um, special you guys make a great team thank Thanks. you it's really easy to tell you guys work together really well as parents thank you Thanks. it's, yeah. it's fun with Connor yeah he makes it easy to be a what is it? Partner. Be a wife, too. Yeah. Be a co-parent. I forget what the original question was. What was the original question? Just marriage, our views on marriage, and how a child has affected it. Oh, the question I posed? Uh-huh. Yeah. How has William's presence now changed your marriage or affected positively, negatively? <clears throat> yeah, I remember this I was a big deal. For Connor, we went on a backpacking trip, <clears throat> and some for guys sometimes backpacking trips are like, um, like going to rehab or something where you just <laughs> yeah it's sure yeah where you like get out, get out first of all nature. you got to get your manly stuff out and then, <laughs> and then you, but, but then you also get a chance to like um, I hope I hope that didn't sound too bad no no on the no, other end I, of the microphone <laughs> no. You, we understand. Um, Make of that what you will. We understand. <laughs> Rest not your wearies. And um, <laughs> anyways, so we went on this backpacking trip, and I and I don't remember much about the backpacking trip. When was this? This was right before y'all got married. Yeah, it was in, it was in college. Um, or when? Yeah. So a few years ago, but this was already on his mind because I remember he talked about like a big thing that he was worried about with you and Angela's relationship, mm-hmm. Connor and Angela's relationship, was the fact that you didn't have a common uh, pastime. And he, I remember huh. him talking at length about that with me. Um, of course, I didn't have any answers, but, and I didn't realize it was still a thing for you guys until now you have this common goal with William. Um, so that's great. 
So you got this supplement that's supposed to change all these people's lives, and you mm-hmm. talk to these people who tried it, and it cured this, and it cured that, and I'm so much healthier. Well, the fact of the matter is, if you've got somebody with a nutritional deficiency, okay, nutritional deficiencies are going to cause problems. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's migraines. It doesn't matter if it's mm-hmm. stomach issues or chronic fatigue syndrome or whatever. You fill that nutritional deficiency, they're going to feel so much better. You know, their, 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 their eyesight's going to get better. Their hair is going to grow thicker. Their nails are going to be healthier. You know, the, the migraines are gone, you know, mm-hmm. all these things. And so um, is it a particular brand or thing in particular that, that is a miracle? No, mm-hmm. no, it's just health, yeah. you know. Um, so, the, uh, but I, I kind of expected the whole essential oil. Essential oils have been around for years and years and years. It's just a few yeah. companies have really blown it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, my, my daughter was two at the time. My wife and her, a couple of her friends were really starting to get into it. And, and they're not fanatics, mm-hmm. um, but they, they saw that there were probably some benefits. Well, doTERRA makes an oil called Digest Zen, okay? Um, supposed to help with digestion and all, all this, that, and the other. Well, on, and my daughter did not deal with a lot of constipation, okay? But there were multiple occasions where this two-year-old came in and, Mommy, my tummy hurts. Two, mm-hmm. two and three years old, Mommy, my tummy hurts. My wife would rub this digestion on her stomach, and within five minutes, she would go have a bowel movement and feel fine. Mm-hmm. Now, it, you know, and, and it always happened like clockwork, you know? So um, they have their place, you mm-hmm. know? Are, are, are they everything some wants you to believe? Nope. Okay. But, but it's like everything else. You, you're going to have something like, okay, the, the big fad right now, um, <clears throat> CBD oil. Okay? Yeah. A lot of people, I've talked to a lot of people, some swear up and down, it's helped this, this, and this. I don't know what that is. Could you explain? CBD oil. So they, they basically take in marijuana, um, how they get all essential oils. I'm not ex- sure exactly how they get all the essential oils and, and make the essential oil, but they're taking marijuana, they're, they're taking the THC out of the CBD right. oil, and they're using it for therapeutic um, okay. benefits. And it's a huge fad right now. Yeah. I know. I've yeah. seen signs like high-end hemp, Yeah, all those funny names coming up. Yep. Huge, okay. h- yeah, huge fad right now. Everybody's, and I, I like, everybody and their mama's trying to get me to sell it. Um but I think it's like everything else. I think there are going to be a group of people that it, it helps a lot, and there are mm-hmm. going to be some that try it, and then they're like, this is trash. It's not helping me at all. Sure. Well, no, it just didn't help you, you know? Yeah. So I've got, I've got a comment and a question. Uh, my comment is that uh, I've tried several supplements over the past few years, and the one that I've actually noticed a difference with is fish oil. Mm-hmm. Um, and I noticed that with joints in particular, mm-hmm. I know it's supposed to help with a lot of different things, kind of like what you were right. talking about, but the big difference that I've noticed has been in joint health. Right. So I used to run uh, semi-consistently, and I would have ankle pain. Um, around the time that I started running more regularly, training for a marathon, I also started taking fish oil, and all the joint pain was gone. And that was at a time when my running was at its peak. Yeah. So you would think that that would be the time when I would be hurting the most, but mm. I really think fish oil had something to do with that. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to let me tell one of my favorite stories. Okay. Um, you guys familiar with the Andrew Jackson Marathon? Yeah. Ran from Union's campus for years and years and years. So I was race director for that marathon for several years. I joined the exchange club, and long story short, it fell in my, ha- fell in my lap. And I'm not a runner. I'm not really an event organizer, but um, anyway, fell in my lap. So uh, we had a 
pre-race kind of get-together. We in, invited marathoners to come up to Jason's Deli, and we had a special, you know, carb-up type meal and, and, and everything. And so it was basically a time for us to sit down and, and talk to runners and just kind of chit-chat. Well, this guy is in his 70s. I'm, let's, say, let's say 74. Sits down, he's talking to us, and he's a 50-stater twice okay so there's there's this group Mm -hmm. that have run a marathon in all 50 states this guy's done that twice he's 74 years old and he's in jackson tennessee (laughs) to run the andrew jackson marathon and so this is 100 plus i don't think it was 101 i think Mm -hmm. it was i want to say 114 marathons that okay a marathon is 26.2 miles yeah i don't want to ride a bike (laughs) 26.2 miles much less run it yeah um so he uh He's sitting there talking to us, and uh, one, of, one of my other race committee members, he's sitting there. He says, uh, he says, how in the world are your knees in such good shape um, that you're still running marathons after all the marathons that you're running? And he said, I, I, I think it's my uh, – he said – no, he didn't say I think. He said, he said, it's joint supplements. He said, I've been taking joint supplements for years. That's the, that's, that's the only thing I'm going to give uh, credit to. Mm. Um, this other guy says, well, I tried joint supplements and it didn't seem to help. And he said, well, when did you try them? And he said, uh, about six months ago. He said, no, if you wanted joint supplements to help your knees now, you should have started taking them 20 years ago. Wow. Well, that stuck. Yeah. That stuck with me. A year or so later, I'm sitting in a hotel lobby, eating breakfast, uh, in, in Illinois. Um, I look over and this guy's got a marathon shirt on, you know, this guy's in his forties and to strike up a conversation. Hey, have you ever been to Jackson Run the Andrew Jackson Marathon? I'm the I'm the race director, and he he we start talking. He finds out I'm a chiropractor. He says, "Well, he said, hey, you'd be interested to hear this." He said, um, five years ago, I was morbidly obese, uh, couldn't walk half a mile without my knees killing me." He mm. said, "Now I'm running marathons." He said, "I started taking a joint supplement about you know four or five years ago. Started walking." He said, "The better I got, the more I walked, the more I ran." He said, "I'm you know." It's, I, I love my joint supplement. And I said, well, which one are you taking? And he said, you know, he said, it, it doesn't seem to matter. He said, half the people I tell this to, they try it and they get better. And the other half, they don't seem to get any benefit from. And in my mind, I think some people are past the point of no return. Like your joints, are, your, your knees are in such bad shape, you can't rebuild them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, uh, I'm going to take a joint supplement for the rest of my life because that 74-year-old guy, he, I saw him cross the finish line. Now yeah. he's bloody. He yeah. he tripped and fell and bloodied himself up pretty good. Um, but at seventy four, if you still if you yeah. cross that finish line, oh my goodness, yeah. yeah, that's amazing. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It's like so many people have things that they're that they talk about on social media or in books, but they haven't really earned the right to talk about those things. Mm-hmm. So you were giving the example of woodworking Mm -hmm. and how like you're learning so much about it, but you don't really feel like it's fully yours yet. Yeah. Um, so the first thing that popped into my head when you said that was I was listening to a guy on a a podcast talking about how he has a rule that he doesn't talk about something that he's doing. He was talking about it in relation to like weightlifting and training, but he doesn't talk to anybody about anything new that he's doing until he's done it for six months. Like it's his six month rule. Um, and so I, I guess he does that because there's so many people and it's, and it's everyone's temptation to try something new and, and it be, and it's like the coolest thing ever. And you think that this is going to be your new thing. And then within, you know, 
uh, a few weeks or whatever, you're not doing it anymore. So I think this relates in some way to owning something. So I don't really know what the time span is. I don't know that there's an actual number on it, but yeah. So for me, uh, dad and I have been timber framing for several years in high Well, I guess it was college. Um, we started working on a timber frame. We're calling it Cedar Hall, uh, here out on the farm. And so I helped him with that one summer. And then this summer we have been working on a gazebo for Union University that's all timber frame stuff. And I was telling you about how it feels like I haven't really owned that and I don't really love timber framing. Um, and so, you know, I'm still learning about what timber framing is and the philosophy behind it and also how to just do it. Um, so, yeah, I think it's important as a person to know what what you want to own and sort of decide you can't own everything. Um, like if you're an artist, you can't be the best painter, the best ceramicist, and the best, you know, drawer either. You, you've got to sort of pick, you've got to sort of pick one or two things that you want to really be passionate about and own. So the nice thing about the six month rule is it gives a specific time, but is it more just experience? For him? For just in general. Like, yeah. I mean, even like for you, working on woodworking, timber framing, I mean, is it just a matter of you do it enough times and it becomes a part of you? Is that kind of the mm. idea? I don't know. I'm still deciding whether I like timber framing. Okay. Um, there's parts of it and aspects of it that I like. Um, I'm sorry I'm not really answering your question, but uh, it's the same way with ceramics. I mean, I love parts of ceramics, and then there's parts that I really don't like. Um, Do you feel like you're able to speak of ceramics like it's yours? No, not entirely. Not entirely? Yeah. Um, that I think that, that takes a lot more commitment than I have had for it. Um, I mean, I definitely think about ceramics a lot. I, I think about how um, mugs and bowls and stuff are shaped and finished and everything like that. Whenever I hold something that's handmade, I'm, that's what automatically what my head's thinking about. But it would take me, it would take a lot more commitment on my part to truly be able to own that. Um, and, and I think more about ceramics than I do timber framing. Like when I look at um, timber frame structures or even buildings, like I, I think about the way that they were made, the architecture and things like that. But it's more of a I don't know if this is going to make sense, but it's more of a projected thing that I'm putting on myself to sort of, because this is something I've, timber framing is something I've been doing recently, so I'm sort of trying to live that out more um, and sort of think about it more, and it's not really coming from within myself. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does. I'm just thinking about, like, how many books wouldn't be written if everybody had that rule. Mm. Like... I mean, even in college, there's plagiarism, and you're not allowed to plagiarize. But even when you're not plagiarizing, you're expected to spend most of your time analyzing other people's ideas. Hmm. And my best papers in college weren't really my own. They hmm. were other people's. Mm -hmm. And I was just compiling glorified quotes, yeah. essentially, yeah. and just rewording the quotes so that 
I could fool myself into thinking that it was mine, hmm. but it wasn't. It was it was somebody else's research that yeah. you were researching. Yeah, yeah. It's secondhand knowledge. Hmm. So, yeah, that's that's a really profound thing to to pick some things in life that are going to become yours because there's a there's a kind of dedication involved that mm-hmm. four years of college can't get you. Yeah. Um, your friends can't get you. Yeah, that's it important. doesn't matter how many what influences there are around you. You mm-hmm. have to. There's a there's a real intentionality with that. It comes naturally. It always has to come naturally. When I was in college, and even after I was college, and I was taking those ceramics classes, all the um, thoughts that I had about being a potter and being a sculpt sculptor, um, they were all mostly coming from without myself. Like they were, they weren't coming from within me. Mm-hmm. They were sort of pushed on me by outside influences. Uh, and, and like, this is not a hundred percent of the reason I did ceramics, uh, by any means. Cause there was parts there. I mean, there were, I loved ceramics and I loved clay. Um, but there was also a lot of like outside influences telling me that I could be really good at this. And I thought that I needed to ascribe to that. Um, and so, but, but at that, and so every time I was like, every time I'd think like, okay, the next step in being a potter is to get an apprenticeship at such and such place. Or it was like, I was like always coming up with this plan, but it never happened naturally. Like it never, the way, the way you find out what you're going to own is the thing that comes out of you naturally. The thing that you, your heart sort of, and for all of you listening, like, Connor and I are, how old are we, 23, 24? So, like, we don't really hardly know what we're talking about. Um, but we've started to learn, like, okay, that wasn't something that I'm, you know, passionate about. I'm going to lay that on the back burner or off to the side and pick this other thing else up. Um, so we're still, at least I am still trying to figure out, you know, what all I'm truly, who all I truly am and what all I truly care about. You had a real encounter with chaos there. Yeah, but, you know, and this is one of the things I think I, I wanted to talk about is, you know, I'm in my 50s now. And for me to say that I don't believe that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead would be, um, I would be lying if I said that. It's like I, I feel weaker than I've ever felt um, physically emotionally, spiritually, mentally. Um, but I feel like my faith is stronger than it's ever been. And I mean, that, that sounds that sounds like, you know, well, wait, how could your faith be stronger if, if spiritually you feel weak? And I'm, um, that again, counterintuitive. But it seems like for me, the more chaos that I am that I experience and the more chaos I'm in, the more convinced I am that God is, is real and that he is very active. Um, I mean, I, I've, I've been in the room with people who are dying a lot in the last five years and I see people die and, and, and the response of those who witness it go, man, God was so present. And in that same room, other people say, God ain't within 100 miles of this place. 
And I'm like, I, so how can one person's faith be built through chaos and tragedy and another person's faith seems to be, I don't know if it's destroyed through it, but it doesn't, it doesn't come to the surface. And I'm not talking about like, oh, I don't cry about stuff. I cry right. more now than I ever have, you know. I'm not saying that it doesn't hurt. I'm just saying that at the core of who I am, I, I don't disbelieve anymore. I mean, I think I disbelieved more when I was younger. Like, you know, was Jesus like Santa Claus? And we're just, you know, we're just pacifying ourselves. And, you know, those, I don't even ask those questions anymore. Um, and I wouldn't say it's because I've seen so much miracle, although granted, you know, I've seen some pretty amazing stuff, but I've seen more natural death and things like that. You know, I mean, like the norm is for people to die. Right. Uh, that's why we call what happened to Lana a miracle because that doesn't normally happen. Mm-hmm. But just in the normal dying and suffering, um, I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm so much more convinced now. And I'm more frustrated with, with men my age that, you know, that seem to be falling away from the faith. And, and I'm like, what? Why? I, I mean, wouldn't you think that the guy who's handling death all the time would be the one who's going, yeah, I mean, if God was good, then why to blah, blah, blah. I don't, I'm like, no, God is good. Why does he save anybody? Why does he ever intervene? And to me, it's not evidence that God is not good when bad stuff happens. I mean, Scripture is plain. You know, Jesus didn't say, oh, if you'll just follow me, everything's going to be candy-coated and all your prayers will be answered. And I mean, that's, that's never said in Scripture. I mean, it's said by some, you know, preachers, I guess. But Jesus never said that. And yet we get so bent out of shape when this stuff happens as though he didn't tell us this was going to happen. You know, so I, I I really have been agonizing lately over, you know, folks that I know that are falling away from the faith at this point in their life where I feel like, you know, you, you should be, you should have had enough evidence at this point, you know, uh, well, what does scripture say? Uh, faith is a substance of things, um. How's it go? Hoped for. Hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So I, I guess if, you know, if we just saw miracle after miracle, it wouldn't be faith anymore. You know, but um, I've got a friend in Germany who is a strong evangelical. He really supported missions. He's had a very successful business. He's got a successful marriage. He's got kids that love and respect him. I mean, he's got it all. And for whatever reason, he's become an atheist. And he he respects me, and he hates me. <laughs> you know, it's weird. It's like we have our we have conversations, and you know, he's we're having a normal conversation, and then he mocks me. Mm-hmm. And um, in a recent conversation, I was like, you know, I don't have the scientific evidence for what I believe, right? Um, and you may you may have scientific evidence that God doesn't exist. However, that would be possible, right? I said, but every time that I wheel my daughter in her wheelchair down to the altar and she receives the bread and the wine and I see the joy of the Lord beaming from her face, 
I know my Redeemer lives. So there, my evidence is a disabled little girl that I pray every night she'll walk and talk and have no more seizures. And every day she has about 30 seizures. And every day she has to be diapered and fed and bathed. And everything that, that's done has to be done for her. But she's the evidence that, that you know, Jesus is raised from the dead. So I, I know that it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that you deal with death by running to death. It doesn't, you know, none of this stuff makes much sense, I guess. So. Well, if you're looking for avoidance from suffering, Christianity is not the religion for you. No, you need to bark up another tree. I mean, Christianity <laughs> is the religion that insists that God himself took part in our suffering mm. and made it his 